Hi, Emerald listeners. Welcome to another episode of How It's Reported, the podcast where we find out how our favorite Emerald news stories were written. My name is Julia Bobak, and I am the new host of the podcast. I'm here with Tristan Hoffman and Alicia Santiago, two of the founding members of the Daily Emerald's investigative team. Today, I'm talking to them about their first investigative piece, which came out back in September when they broke the story of the Title IX lawsuit filed against the UO by the women's beach volleyball and women's club rowing teams. Thank you guys so much for joining me. If you could introduce yourself, that would be great. My name is Tristan Hoffman. I'm the investigations editor, and I'm a junior. My name is Alicia Santiago. I'm an investigations reporter, and I'm a junior as well. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Yeah, doing yeah. good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you. So I'm just going to start off with the question of how you started the story of the Title IX lawsuit. Where did you first hear about it happening? Yeah, we were inspired by James Crepia's initial investigation into the beach volleyball aspect of the article. But we we mainly were inspired, truthfully, by the Oregonians' initial report. Yeah, I would say we also had like um, a different angle than the Oregonian because we're so close to campus. And so naturally, we're able to have a different perspective as students and talk to different people. So how did you begin reporting the story? Who was the first person maybe you got in contact with or just kind of the first few things that you did to get started? It started back when the UO announced that they were going to be realigning to the Big Ten. And I ended up talking to Rob Mullins, the University of Oregon Athletic Director, about how that's going to affect student athletes. And that's kind of around the time when the Oregonian had put out their story on the allegations violating Title IX. And he told me that they had been looking for a um, facility for the beach volleyball team to practice for years. And then that kind of just got us started with the process of talking to more people, especially when you have the athletic director saying basically no work had been done for years. And also that's when we started talking off the record and on on background with interview subjects and that provided a lot of clarity. We initially had very few sources but we had a lot of documents that we ended up gathering over the course of the reporting. Were there any challenges right off the bat when you guys were reaching out to your first sources or when you were kind of looking at those first documents? Were there any roadblocks for you starting off? For sure. Um, The pending litigation was the biggest roadblock because the lawyers and the firm didn't really want the people involved with the lawsuit to speak out unless they talked with the firm and the head lawyer, Arthur Bryant. So it was just hard to get people on the record. And with an article in this caliber where it's about experiences, we needed that experience aspect in it and we didn't have it. (laughs) Right. It was also tough as we were reaching out to a lot of student athletes who were either alumni or who were still on the teams because you have to go through a bunch of PR people at the UO to talk to them and to get them to talk about their true authentic experiences was just going to be difficult. Um, And also just dealing with a topic that we hadn't dove into yet with with such as Title IX and all of the different financial aspects and all of the different um, like documentation we were going through was super difficult, um, just combing through everything and being able to understand it ourselves so that the audience could understand it as well. Right. Yeah. right. Once once we had that breaking, that initial breaking article, the, the clock was ticking. 
Like, what was the turnaround for that from when you heard? Do you know the timeline? <laughs> yeah. Um, so the breaking was, I think, like on a Wednesday or something. And then we had our cover slated for a week and a half later or something. <laughs> oh but yeah. we wrote the breaking news in like a few hours. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. The breaking, when it happened, I just like followed up with the lawyer, said like, let me know if you have any updates for me. And he said, call me. And I called him and he uh, was like, the actions of the university are undescribable. And I'm like, oh my God, this is this is big news. <laughs> so I just recorded on iMovie or the photo booth. And it's just this really funny video of me, like, scrambling around and asking people to leave because I'm interviewing someone. <laughs> then she texted our group chat on Slack, um, breaking news, and I was, like, coming out of my class, and I remember running over to the office, and we just wrote it for hours. Yeah. What a movie scene. <laughs> it, was. it was. It really felt like that, yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious, when you're, like, talking to these lawyers and talking to these PR people who, like, have everything formulated in their head what they're going to say was it kind of difficult to penetrate that like wall of just like I can't give you any information but I'm gonna like talk still honestly not really because the lawyer Arthur is this really funny and friendly guy and he was pretty straightforward if he couldn't share certain information and it was understandable but I think he wanted us to write the story and yeah. mm-hmm. at that point he was just giving us as much information as he could so we could write it truthfully and factually yeah we did a lot of follow-ups with him as well because there was a lot of moving information yeah i will say our breaking pretty much made the campus planning committee meeting mm-hmm. the following day or something possible and i asked this question to the board why haven't you done anything to make a facility since whatever 2019 or something and then the main committee guy said like we don't have any time for questions anymore we Mm -hmm. talked to like a pr person about it oh (laughs) yeah so yeah they hadn't done any work for three years and then the day after we put out the breaking post is when they held their first meeting Mm. i'm really curious about when you did end up talking to the volleyball coach and players, the rowing club as well, for that second story, how did you approach them about the topic? What kind of questions did you ask them? What did that look like? Well, the Cindy Weddle, the rowing athlete, I had kind of fallen into a discussion about it because I knew she had been on the team. And she told me kind of what it meant to her to be, you know, fighting in this lawsuit, um, especially for women to come in, you know, the next few years. And yeah, then we talked off the record about that. And then I contacted Arthur, the lawyer, to see if I could get her on the record, which was super difficult because he at the time didn't want anyone to be on the record until like a week later. But we had to send a print. And so I talked to her briefly. Um, under the parameters that Arthur gave me about like what her experience was like on the rowing team, what this lawsuit meant to her, um, and really what the priorities are for the university, what they should be doing right now. It was pretty emotional, though, just talking to these athletes, especially being so young and going through such a big lawsuit and being an athlete and a female athlete and experiencing the disparities at such a notable university. Was that the only interview that we had with on the record, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, like, a week later, once we were granted, like, on-record conversations, I talked with two volleyball athletes, and they said that they both are thinking of, like, being lawyers now, which oh. I thought was cool. That is cool. <laughs> I'm also curious with the research, because you 
said you started off with really more documents than people. What were those documents? What was the research? Pro- it looks like there's a really good balance of sort of research and source material in the pieces. Yeah. So what did that research process look like? And what did you have to start with that kind of set up the articles? A lot of it was dealing with the University of Oregon's finances and yeah. going through the athletic department's budget over the last few years, what money they put towards recruiting athletes, um, like male versus female, and all of the finances and diving through that was kind of the first step, I feel like. But particularly, that was through the Equity and Athletics Data mm-hmm. Analysis website, um, and that had a plethora of information on you know how many female undergraduate students there are versus male, how many female athletes athletes there are versus male athletes. And, you know, if you just sit down, look through the documents and just do the math, quickly you can find the inequity. I'm curious now sort of going into the writing process, specifically for the second one. Going in, you had that sort of baseline information from the breaking news story and the research that you, you've done for that. But what was that looking like? I'm just looking at our article. It was a lot of storyboarding and just like writing on whiteboards. It was our first time doing an investigative article and I would have done Mm -hmm. it differently now, but we were just trying to compile everything together and somehow we did it. Sometimes writing is the hardest part when you have so much information. Yeah. And so like Tristan was saying, we had been planning for so long what was going to happen and how we were going to kind of unfold all of this into like 1500 words. And so one morning, Tristan and I were like, we just have to write it. And so we met in the the office at six in the morning and we just started writing. We had to like go through the EMU like. Yeah, we had to go through like the back door, like the worker store. (laughs) We knew that we wanted to include a section on the finances for sure. And then we knew we wanted to bring in the rowing because the Oregonian didn't really talk about that. Mm. Um, And then we brought in what Arthur was telling us just on compliance with Title IX and how the UO General Counsel said that they are complying. And that's kind of like towards the end of the article. So you guys had never written an investigative piece like at all? At all. Not to this extent, no. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Not under the like term investigative, Mm -hmm. but like I guess I've done before like something similar, but it was not to this Mm -hmm. extreme. So what was that like kind of getting dropped in the deep end? You mentioned you would have done things differently. What would you do differently now that you did then maybe? I think just writing like as soon as you got information because we were just letting information kind of pile up and we weren't writing stuff down. And I think also having like a timeline for UO rowing and beach volleyball and kind of understanding the timeline of unequal treatment. You know, there's still things to write on this article that we can include now. Yeah, I'd say the organization of information and then having a timeline set for everything that happens in the article. I was interested in talking about the investigative team and how this is a new thing, never happened before, um, and how you guys were a part of this first story for them. Were you a part of the process of creating the team and what did that look like as well? Yeah. So I guess the investigations team was my idea over the summer. Just being inspired by other college newspapers, particularly the Stanford Daily, they did a great article of the president at the university having like false information in his previous studies. And I read somewhere that it was reported through the investigations team. I'm like, oh my gosh, how could we not have an investigations team? Like we have so many talented reporters that they should have that ability to tap into that sort 
sort of journalism. And then I kind of corralled Alicia in, <laughs> Ian Proctor, Johnny Media, who were, I've just noticed some reporters that either had really good writing skills, interviewing skills, or research gathering skills. And those, I think, are the three pillars of like a good investigative unit. <laughs> You kind of touched on this, but what are you trying to achieve with this team? What is your future goal? I think it's holding UO accountable. Like my dad has said, seems like you don't like UO. I'm like, no, like I love UO. But at the same time, people should know what they're doing wrong. And that's kind of the purpose of the investigations team is to just hold people accountable. We don't have vendettas against anyone. We just want to make sure that things are being done in a way that doesn't hurt other people. Yeah, I think too, what was kind of happening at the Daily Emerald in the last year or so is we were kind of tapping into a lot of this on the news desk of holding the UO accountable and things like the police department, the president, UO admin, you know, now we're getting to do that like full time on the investigations team and dig into things that people don't know about. Because I feel like a lot of students have these kind of hunches about what's going on, but then no one talks about them. So how did you bring that motto, for lack of a better word, of holding the university accountable into the story about Title IX? I think it was like an initial thought of, you know, looking at everything on paper, the UO athletic department has some of the most money in the nation and they put almost all of it towards male athletes. And you're looking at it and you're like, this division one team is practicing in a public park with no bathroom stall doors and they don't have any scholarships. And so I think holding them accountable of like, what is even going on here? And I think also like, in a way, I can understand UO's stance like okay football makes so much more money than beach volleyball but legally they should still be equal Mm -hmm. i think that's where you know readers just they don't understand the law behind it yeah i think that's one thing if i were to go back now because we did get a lot of comments like that and just readers not understanding what was actually wrong i think going back if we were to explain more of the specific legal reasons and pushing that harder i think it would have been a little bit different for the audience. What would you want people to take away from the story and the way that you wrote it? I just think UO did something very wrong for several years and they got away with it because this team is smaller and they also got away with it because people don't know that there's a beach volleyball team through accounts of beach volleyball members telling me that. I think people should take away from it that UO was sexually discriminating against women. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, in my opinion, to take away is that, of course, to hold UO accountable, but especially, and we touched on this in the article, moving to a a bigger conference, a more known conference, if anything, that this won't fly somewhere else. Yeah. And that students at the UO should be holding their university accountable and should be tracking things that they're doing. If they said three years ago that they're looking for something and they're going to make change for a team and a group of women, and then three years later nothing happened, then they should dig into that. That should be something everyone thinks about. Yeah, I think also just I hope what readers take away is a more skeptical eye towards UO, just in general. I mean, with any investigations article, I hope they are like, hmm... What is my university doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ask myself that every morning. <laughs> um, 
I'm also curious about what else you guys are working on right now with the investigative team. Um, we're just going to look into work contracts between UO and outside businesses, you know, the expansion of UO, more Title IX stuff, not relating to this, also relating to other things. Mm-hmm. No, we have two articles coming out from investigations and then one like bigger one at the end of the term. Awesome. <laughs> well, that was great. Thank you so much for talking to me. Is there anything else that you guys want to leave off with? I think mainly just this investigations team is a big passion project of mine, but I'm really hoping to leave it for generations to come for the Emerald. And we have really great articles literally coming out the week of November 13th. And yeah, just read along with us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks again to my guests, Tristan Hoffman and Alicia Santiago. You can find their Title IX story as well as other investigative pieces at dailyemerald.com. That's also where you can find new episodes of this podcast. Or you can follow us at Emerald Media on Spotify and SoundCloud. Thanks for listening to How It's Reported. I will see you next time. There's so much on your back, and I'm afraid to